Alright. Well, here we are. We're in the last, uh, last message on holiness. It's been five weeks on holiness. Hope it's been helpful. Um, and so we're going to close with the topic of why should we be holy? Okay, why? So last time we talked about kind of the how, and today we're going to talk about the why. Why should we be holy? And I want to begin by reading a quote from J.C. Ryle. This is a, a guy that I've been really blessed by recently, okay? I'm, I'm going to begin a, a little bit before this, but you can follow along on the screen here. He says, There is one class of persons to whom especially I wish to address myself in handling this part of my subject, a class which in these days is in peculiar danger. And here's where the, the quote begins here. The persons I speak of are not thoughtless about religion. They think a good deal about it. They are not ignorant of religion. They know the outlines of it pretty well. But their great deficit is that they are not rooted and grounded in their faith. Too often they have picked up their knowledge secondhand and being in religious family, from being in religious families or from being trained in religious ways but have never worked it out by their own inward experience. Persons like these are in a position of immense danger. Now, why would I pick something like that for the youth group? Does that resonate with you at all? Does that hit home? When I read that, I immediately wrote in the margin of my book, youth group exclamation point, all right, because... This is the condition of many of us who grow up in the church, right? That we know a lot about religion. It's not that we don't think about it. We actually think a lot about it. Our parents talk about it at home, maybe. We, we read the Bible together as a family. We come to church. We hear about it on Sundays and Wednesdays. We actually know a good deal about religion. But the deficit is that we aren't grounded and rooted in our faith. What comes to mind when you see, hear grounded and rooted? What's that an image of? A tree, right? You guys seen trees that have fallen over? Okay, oftentimes trees fall over because there's something wrong with their roots, right? There's something wrong with the root system. Either it's a tree that just has notoriously weak roots or they, sh they go really shallow. But trees that have strong, healthy roots, whether it's blizzards or windstorms or whatever, they stay upright, right? And the same goes for Christians. For Christians... We stay upright, we walk in holiness, we grow in holiness because we're rooted and we're grounded in our faith. And if we try to just grow in holiness without sending our roots deep in our faith, it's just going to fall over eventually, okay? The next quote, one we started our series with, most Christians don't care enough about being holy. There is a gap between our love for the gospel and our love for godliness, and this must Change. So maybe we're, you're going on a mission trip, maybe you're on the, you know, you talk about evangelism, you're on the Christian club at your school, you know, yay gospel, but when it comes down to personal godliness and wanting to grow in that, there's not a whole lot of fuel in the tank for that, and that's something as Christians that needs to change. And I think the question of why do we need to be holy is going to help us with those. Why be holy? That's going to help us, okay? So let's start by doing a quick review, okay? Holiness. What do we say holiness is? We're asking you to actually think and remember and answer all three of those things. General idea, what is holiness? What does it look like? 
not trick question, something we've been talking about for five weeks. Yes. Okay, being without sin for God. Go ahead. Sorry. It's great. So for God to be holy, he's sinless, right? He has no sin. For us to be holy, we're not going to get there until the next life, but we're trying to get there, right? We're trying to grow in holiness. So we talked about how holiness is perfect obedience to God. That's kind of like a, a, a law way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is Jesus. Jesus is holiness. Jesus was the one who is perfectly obedient to God. Okay, so that's what it is. How about, is it necessary? How would we answer that question? Still on the review. Is it necessary? Yes, it's necessary. Why? Why is it necessary? Yeah? Because God calls us to be holy. First of all, because he tells us to be holy, right? Be holy for I am holy, right? Why else is it necessary? Anything else come to mind there? talks about how what do you look for on a tree in order to make sure that that tree is doing okay let's say it's an apple tree what are you looking for apples right you want to see fruit fruit shows us that a tree is alive and growing right and it's the same for a christian we look for the fruit and holiness is the fruit of our life to show that we are really alive and growing as a christian i had a, a meeting this couple weeks ago with a guy and he said you know i was reading through matthew 7 and it really freaked me out I read this passage. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The one who does the will of my Father. You should hear in that holiness. The one who does what God says. That's what holiness is. It's not the one who says, Lord, Lord, and on the outside looks like a Christian and does Christian things. It's the one who is growing in holiness who will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and the guy I'm talking to, he's like, that scared me because I don't know if I do that. I, I, I kind of say, Lord, Lord, and, and say I'm a Christian, but I, I don't really, I keep putting off Christianity till tomorrow is what he said. I keep thinking I'll grow in this tomorrow. And I would say that he's right to read that and go, I'm a little scared. But if you are people who are growing in holiness, you should read that and say, praise God. That doesn't scare me, okay? Reviewing, can we grow in it? Yes, okay? We've talked about that. We can grow in holiness. We can sin less and become righteous more. Here's the question, how can we grow in it? How's that work? We talked about it last week. Any, any ways that come to mind? How can we grow in holiness? Yeah? Okay, through prayer, through interacting with our holy God, having that relationship connection there, okay? Prayer, what else? Yeah. Yeah, we can read God's word where we come across the instructions of what we're supposed to do, and not just the instructions, but as we'll see today, the motivation for why we should do these things, okay? Yeah. Yeah, so we get together with God's people. Great, that's the third thing we talked about. We talked about how we're not called to grow in holiness by ourselves. It's just like, you know, so, for example, I've been trying to teach myself guitar by myself. It's not going great, okay? I pretty much got down Seven Nation Army Rift, sort of. That's about it. Um, and 
part of the reason is because I'm going it alone. I've got no teachers. I've got no community. I've got these guys on YouTube who I watch, and, and you know, they're like, you just do this. And I'm like, my fingers don't just do that, so how do I do that? You know? um, we, it's the same for everything. We grow in community, right? You become better as a musician and as an athlete and as a student when you learn in community. Same thing with a Christian. So that's how we, we grow. And there was one more we talked about. Anybody remember the last one? We talked about communion. Actually, communion is a vital part of us growing in holiness, of weekly coming. This is one of the reasons we have weekly communion here is because every week we come back to the fact that Jesus loved us enough to give his life for us so that we could live holy lives. We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. Okay? Why should we be holy? Why? We, we kind of, I think, Grace, you already hit this, right? Oh, no, wait. This is our big question. This is what I'm answering. This is my job. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Why? That's what we're talking about today. Why should we be holy, okay? And it's a question, I've already used the word before. It's the question of motivation, okay? So you guys, you know, if you picture motivation, you know, you picture like the donkey and the guy riding on the donkey and he's got the big stick and he's got it out in front of the donkey and dangling is what? The carrot out in front of the donkey, Right? The donkey's, that's the motivation. He keeps going, trying to get that carrot. And it's just kind of a cruel trick because he's never going to get it because the, the rider's on his back. Um, so that's the question. Why be holy? It sounds like a lot of work. You got to help me out here, Nick. Why would I even try to do this, okay? Well, good news, first of all. The Bible doesn't say, be holy because I said so. That's not all it says, at least, okay? God doesn't command obedience just because. In fact, he gives us dozens and dozens of specific reasons for why we should be holy. And so we're going to look at a few of these. I was going to have us do it in small groups, but time is getting away from us, so let's just do it as a big group, okay? So here's the question. We've got a couple passages. What motivates us to be holy? Two questions. What is the motivation given here, and does this motivate me to be holy, all right? So I need a couple volunteers Someone needs to look up John 10, 15, 10, and 11. Who's got that one? There we go. Caleb. 1 Peter 2, 12. Elijah. Uh, Luke 17, 10. Luke 17, 10. Amber. Hebrews 10, 26 to 27. Go for it. You got a Bible there? Okay. <laughs> Small requirement. You need a Bible. Unless you got it memorized. That's all right. Yes? Okay. Hebrews 10, 26 to 27. Uh, John 14, 15. Elise. One more, Hebrews 13, 16. Noel, thank you, okay. So we're going we're gonna to listen to these as they're read, and then we're going to ask the question, what is the motivation given here? And then we're going to think to ourselves, does this motivate me? Okay? All right, so here we go. What's the motivation? Let's start with John 15, 10, and 11. Who's got that one? Someone over here, Caleb. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Great. Okay. If you keep these commandments, so what are we talking about? We're talking about holiness, right? Keeping commandments. What will happen? What's the motivation that's given here? Someone repeat it for us. What'd you hear? We got joy. Your joy will be complete. How many of us want joy in life? That's a good motivator, right? I want joy. Anything else in that verse? What else is promised for those who keep the commandments? 
Anybody hear love in there? Okay. Is there love in there, Caleb? You're looking at it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My, what does he say? My love will be in you. Yeah. Well, you, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, right? So by keeping commandments, by living holy lives, we stay in this abiding in Jesus' love, and his love is in us, okay? So that's great motivation for us. The question is, is it motivation for you? And here's how you'd answer that. When I hear about love, when I hear about Christ's love, and when I hear about a, a joy, a fullness of joy, does that do anything for me when it comes to temptation and sin? When it comes to disobeying God's commandments, am I able to recall the promise of joy and love and say, I choose joy and love, not this? Because that is the choice you're making when you choose to disobey God's commandments. And God is, is putting that carrot out there saying, here's what's on the other side if you choose to obey my commandments. Let's go to the next one. Who's got First Peter 2.12? Yes, Elijah. Okay, keep your conduct honorable. What is that talking about? Holiness. Okay, that's going to be the answer for a lot of these, okay? (laughs) Holy conduct, obeying God, okay? When you keep your conduct holy, what is one of the results that may come of that? Unbelievers will glorify God. There is something at stake when you choose to live a holy life in your high school cafeteria. It may just cause someone to take notice and say, I want what you have. I want to go down that path that you've gone down, right? People will come to Christ. The Great Commission will be fulfilled simply by you living a holy life. Does that motivate you? Does that, in in the midst of a group of friends who are all telling dirty jokes and laughing about inappropriate things, does the, the call to be holy and the thought that by doing so, I might actually win one of my friends to Christ, motivate you in that moment not to join in the fun? Okay, so think about that. Let's jump to Luke 17.10. Who's got that one? Yes, Amber. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done what was our duty. Oh, man. So when you've done all that you've been commanded, what is that talking about? Holiness. Holiness. Good, okay. And you've done all that you've been commanded. You do so saying, we've only done what was our duty. And say it again. We are unworthy servants, we have only done what was our duty. Okay, we're, we're unworthy servants. So here's motivation for you. Um, as a child of God who's been saved by Jesus Christ to live a holy life, you, it is your duty to do this out of honor for your master. God is worthy of living a holy life. Is your relationship with God such that when sin comes knocking at your door, one of your motivations is, I can't do that to my Lord. I can't turn my back on my Lord after he's done so much for me. That ought to be a motivation for us, okay? Let's jump to Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. For if we go sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, or no longer remain to sacrifice for sin, but fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire 
Okay. Okay. So here, here's a little bit of a trick question. Listen carefully to the question. He says, if we go on, let's read the beginning on, in it. if we go on what? So if we go on sinning deliberately. If we go on sinning deliberately, what are we talking about here? Unholiness. unholiness. Okay, yeah. If we choose unholiness, go on sinning deliberately, what awaits us? Only judgment. The judgment of, of fire, it says. Okay? So what is one of the motivations to not be unholy is judgment. Is the fact that if I keep choosing sin over holiness, what, I've do, what I'm doing is I'm pronouncing a sentence upon myself that says, I reject the grace of God and I choose his judgment. Does that motivate us? It ought to. It ought to motivate us to live holy lives, okay? And then we've got John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's real simple. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Question is, do you love Jesus? It's a real simple one. But it's, a really, it's one that gets to the heart, doesn't it? And oftentimes, we, we don't think of it in those terms, do we? We think, well, you know, I wasn't... I didn't look at that. I didn't do that out of some sort of spite for Jesus. But Jesus gets to the heart of the issue and says, but if you loved me, you'd stop. So do you love Jesus? And then we get to Hebrews 13, 16. Last one. Who had that one? Hebrews 13, 16. Oh, Noel. Yeah. Uh, such sacrifices are pleasing to God. How many of you like it when your mom or your dad is like, I am so proud of you. You just did a great job on that. Or your teacher or your coach. We like that, right? It feels good. Here's the motivation in Hebrews uh, 13, 16. When you live a holy life, it pleases God. And not in like a sit back in his throne and be like, well, I guess I won't zap you today with a thunderbolt. <laughs> Lightning bolt. What are thunderbolts? That doesn't make any sense. I guess so. No, it's, it's, can you, you know the look on your parents' plate, face when they're genuinely happy with you? And, and just like, <laughs> Elijah's, Elijah's here going, no, never seen that one. <laughs> Family counseling session afterwards, we'll work on that. I do not do you know the look on your parents? Well, just imagine that, that God also has that look on his face when you choose holiness. Not in perfection, but just choosing it. Choosing to do holy things. God sits there and says, I am so pleased with that child of mine right now. And we, we actually get a little glimpse of that, don't we, in the book of Job. When Satan comes knocking and, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? He is genuinely pleased with the life that Job has chosen to live. Was Job sinless? Never says that. And yet God was pleased with the life that he chose to live, okay? So, that's just, I mean, guys, when you, when you look at the Bible, this is a tiny little bit of the motivation that we have. You could find hundreds of biblical reasons to be holy throughout Scripture, okay? Okay. Um, 
one of the books I read said these, these prescriptions, these, these are like medical prescriptions for why you should be holy. And we all have different diseases that we suffer from that keep us from being holy. And at different times in our life, we will need to hear different one of these prescriptions. And different prescriptions will come in at different times to help us say, that's my motivation. That's how I need to be holy. So we don't need to know all of them. We really only need to know one of them. And we need to hold on to it and use it in our fight against sin. So the question to follow that one, to end on here, is this. What demotivates us from being holy? What is it that keeps us from being holy? What is it that makes holiness feel like a chore? I don't know if you guys have just come in week after week and you're like, oh, I'm going to get beat up by holiness again. What is it that makes holiness just seem like this is boring? This is, is this really all that important? Some of you are like, it's you, Nick. You're the one. <laughs> I would accept it. So the question is, what demotivates us from being holy? Let's go through a few of these, okay? I'm going to read a quote, and then we'll get through here, okay? One of the reasons why I think Christians get tired of hearing about the law is because they never hear why they should obey the law. The commands hit us like a ton of study Bibles. A ton of study Bibles landing on you. Because we aren't given any motivation for keeping God's commands. Everything boils down to God said it, so do it. I don't know if that's your experience at church. Why can't I do this? Because God said so. As, as pastors, we need to offer a lot better answers than that. And so we're going to start offering better answers right now, okay? So first of all, what demotivates holiness? We forget that God saved us for obedience. He doesn't tell us to obey in order to get saved. Here's a really clear picture of that. We studied Exodus a couple summers ago. Let's think about Exodus. Where were the Israelites in the book of Exodus? Egypt. What were they doing? Being slaves. Okay. What does God do for them in Exodus? Saves them. Saves them out of slavery. And then where does he take them? Into the desert, through, through the Red Sea, right? And it's only after God has done all of those things that he gives them his law. Here is the law. Notice, God saves them so that they can obey him. He doesn't say, hey, Israelites, when you guys start obeying me and getting your act together, then maybe I'll get you out of the whole slavery mess. And we as Christians oftentimes forget that. We think that we have to be holy to get salvation, when in reality, we are saved for holiness. He says, I've saved you from your sins. There's no more consequences for your sins. There's, there's no condemnation for your sin. There are consequences. There's no condemnation for your sin. So now that you're free from sin, be holy. Choose a life of holiness. So that's one, one answer to that demotivator, okay? What else demotivates us? Well, another thing that might demotivate us for holiness is that we forget that God is our heavenly, and here's the emphasis, Father. Oftentimes, we only relate to God as our, our judge, our king, our ruler. But God calls himself Father throughout Scripture. And here's a, here's a quote. What sort of father looks at his daughter's homemade birthday card and complains that the color scheme is all wrong? 
What kind of mother says to her son after he gladly cleaned the garbage and put the paint cans on the wrong, on the wrong shelf, this is worthless in my sight? <laughs> what sort of parent rolls his eyes when his child falls off the bike on the first try? Oh my goodness, this is going to take forever. There is no righteousness that makes us right with God except for the righteousness of Christ. But for those who have been made right with God, many of our righteous deeds are not filthy in God's eyes. They are exceedingly sweet and precious and pleasing to him. That's what the quote ends by saying. There's this great comparison that Jesus says where where he talks about if 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 a normal good father wouldn't serve his son snakes and scorpions for dinner... How much more would your heavenly father give you good things? And the idea is, if if you look at the best possible version of a dad down here on earth, God is way better. And if a dad down here on earth is genuinely pleased when they see their child growing in anything, so is your heavenly father. So oftentimes we're demotivated to be holy because we don't think about God that way. We don't think that God is actually really, really pleased with us. Not because we're perfect, but because today I chose not to do that thing. I chose to resist that sin. We need to remember that God is our Father. What else demotivates holiness? We think that God views every sin as the same. You guys have probably heard that, right? That's that's a common thing that we teach here, that, that every sin is the same. You know, you look at a woman lustfully, adultery! Angry murder. Who said that? Jesus. (laughs) So there must be some truth to it, right? And there is. There's truth in a courtroom. In a courtroom before God who demands holiness, it doesn't matter if you've lusted or you've committed adultery, you're guilty. You're guilty before the judge. But does it matter to God if you lusted as a 16-year-old boy versus committing adultery and and sleeping around, do do those have different weight in God's eyes? The answer is yes. They most certainly do. Okay? That's something that we need to get straight in our minds. We, We don't oftentimes think about this. And we see this in Scripture. For example, why would God give a law in the Old Testament that has different penalties for different sins? Okay, so, so one sin says you need to go and wash yourself and stay away from the group for a little bit, and another sin says you need to die. That right there is showing us that God doesn't see all sins exactly the same. For example, sacrificing your children is way worse than just losing your patience with them. What kind of a God would we have if he saw those as being the same? In Matthew, Jesus says, some will be judged more severely on the day of judgment than others. That's interesting. There must be some degree of sin here. Um, The problem is that when we see every sin as the same, we're less likely to fight any sin at all. If I think that my lust is just on the same level as committing adultery, what's the point? I mean, why not just go all, if if I'm going to lust, why not just go all the way? 
Bible tells us that's, that's not the scenario. The difference, there is a difference in our sin. There are some sins that we ought to be especially eager to fight against. And there are others that we should recognize, not that we accept them and live with them in our life, but they are a lesser degree in God's eyes. We're always pursuing holiness, but there are some things that we pursue holiness in much quicker and more energetically than other things, okay? So, losing you, here we go. We think our sin won't affect our relationship with God. Last one. What is it that demotivates us? We think, oh, not the last one. We think our sin won't affect our relationship with God. So there is this sentiment out there in popular Christianity that says, nothing, now that I'm saved, there's nothing I can do that will separate me from God. And again, there's truth. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but here's where it is messed up. While you will always be united to Christ as a Christian, it doesn't mean that you're always communing with Christ. Okay? It's possible for believers to have more or less of God's favor. It's possible for us to have really sweet times of fellowship with God, and it's it's possible for us to experience God's discipline. And it's not, it's not an anger, it's not a rejection of us, but it is the frown of a father who is watching children choose a path that is killing them and not giving them life. So one of the main motivations for us to obey God ought to be the fact that um, sin does affect our relationship with him. And we should want to have that relationship to be nice and clear. We get discouraged by guilt. How many, I mean, I, you don't have to raise your hand, but this is a huge de- demotivator, guilt. Really quick, the Bible says there's two kinds of guilt. There's godly guilt and there's worldly guilt. When you feel guilty over sin, godly guilt says you repent of your sins and you return to Jesus, game over. That's, that's it, you're done. Worldly guilt says you are condemned, you are worthless, you're dead to me. That, that type of guilt, that's not what God's doing in your heart. When we believe those lies, we aren't, doing, we aren't doing what guilt should do in us. Guilt ought to produce repentance. And finally, we get discouraged because we're not perfect. And here's a really sweet verse I want to give you guys at the end. Paul, it's very commonly known that Timothy was like Paul's like little protege. He, he loved Timothy like his son. Timothy's a brand new pastor, and... He says to Timothy, in the book to Timothy, that he needs to set an example in his speech, his conduct, his love, his faith, and his purity. Timothy, you need to set an example in life in all these ways. Basically, you need to set an example in everything for the church that you're leading. And then just a few verses later, here's what he says. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your perfection? No. So that all may see your progress. Timothy, I'm not expecting you to be perfect, but I am expecting you to make progress. Set an example, not by getting everything right the first time, but by fighting and getting it right over time. So as we finish up our series on holiness, here's what I'd say. Make progress your aim. Are you progressing in holiness? And make repentance a way of life. None of us is going to get it right on the first try. We're constantly needing to fight and repent and make progress our aim and repent when we don't. And second thing, always have a motivation in your mind. So most recently, here's been the motivation for me. 
okay, in, in my fight for purity, here's the motivation. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 8. I want to commune with God. I want to see him. I want to see him not just in scripture, but I want to see him every day of my life in, in the faces of the people that I interact with and in everything that happens around me in nature. I want to see God face to face. So when someone's out washing their car in a bikini or whatever, I can say, blessed are the pure in spirit. I want to see God. I don't need to look. I don't need to entertain that billboard or, or this pop-up ad or whatever it is. What is going to be your motivation? What are you going to hold on to as your motivation for holiness? So I would encourage you to have something. Let's pray, and we'll go to the main service. Our Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this word, so grateful for your call to holiness, for the clarity of Scripture, for how we should be holy, and now the call on why we should be holy. And I thank you that we have only um, just scratched the surface of why we ought to be holy. And I pray that you would help us all as a group to progress in holiness as we hold dearly to the motivations that Scripture gives us for why we ought to be holy. Let me pray that we would do this with your Spirit's help, knowing that you are our loving Father. In Jesus' name, amen.